0: this week on Missions Today.
1: I just felt like we were holding two worlds in our hands and then we were a world apart, you know, torn between our callings and each other. And as I prayed more and more, God was saying, I just, I really sensed the Holy Spirit, you know, trust me, Anna, trust me. And God was writing a beautiful story and it wasn't, it was a long story and it was a challenging story. And it wasn't this, you know, you know, it's so much waiting and God protected us too. He kept us, you know, you were in the military, Sankyo for two years and then I was serving in Korea. But at that time I was able to serve in Korea as a single woman. God was keeping us busy
0: with our work. They were born halfway around the world from each other different backgrounds different cultures different opportunities but God had a plan for their lives a plan to cause their paths to cross and a plan to create a new ministry partnership I am Colin Lambert and this is missions today from Resource Global this week we're gonna travel to Seoul Korea to meet a young couple currently on the front lines of global missions it's amazing to hear how the Lord weaved these two lives together in such a powerful way And it serves as a clear picture of what can happen when a person whose heart is committed to following Christ, who has a willingness to do what he's asked them to do, actually does that. This conversation's coming to you in two parts. This week, we'll look at their early years, their education, and call to ministry. And the next week, we'll learn about their work today, a new addition to the family, and what's ahead. Sunkyo, Hannah, welcome to Missions Today. Thank you for having us. We're so
1: honored to be here. Thank you.
0: I want to start back with both of your childhoods a bit and learn a, b- a bit about your growing up years. Sunkyo, let's start with you. Uh, talk about some of your growing up years and then how you came to faith in Christ.
2: I was born in a missionary family. I, uh, my parents started a hospital in Pakistan, and since then um, we've been traveling all around the world. Uh, I grew up in Singapore and a country in the Middle East, and most of my life I've been growing up in the Middle East. And then I Came into came back to Korea, uh, because my parents' ministry was shifting a little bit into Korea. So uh, we did. Our, uh, I spent some time in Korea, and then I went to uh, United States. As I grew up in a missionary family, I I've heard about Christ and I knew about Christ uh, since a very young age. But definitely, I had a lot of bitterness against God and just the idea of God. Because when you're growing up in a Christian family, your process of meeting God, it's not a one dramatic moment, but it's actually a gradual change in your heart. And my gradual change actually started when I encountered this easy Bible that was written in Korean, because um, something about Korean Bible is that the language, Korean Bible language is a little different from the language that we're speaking right now. It's a little older um, language. So sometimes it doesn't really come close to you. But that was the first time that I Uh, read the Easy Bible in Korean, which totally helped me really get interested in the Bible when I was, I think, 12 years old. And that's when I start to love reading the Bible. And then since then, I've had a lot of encounters in a lot of different areas of my life that I really start to get interest in knowing about God and learning about God's
0: love. I think that's something that a lot of people can identify with, and I think even English speakers can identify with, you know, re- reading a King James Version Bible where you can't quite get the meaning of what's being said, but you pick up a modern translation— And all of a sudden, it seems to make sense. There's life to it where maybe before it wasn't something that was so easily understood. Sounds like that's what what happened with you. And boy, I think that's a powerful message about just finding a, a, a scripture version that you can read and feel comfortable with. If you don't like the one you're reading, find another good one that you can get into and really find out about God's story. I think that's a powerful message for folks who may be, I just don't get what it says. I'm not understanding what it's saying. I don't understand that language. I think that's, that's awesome. Uh, Hannah, uh, let's t- talk to you for a moment. Talk about your growing up years and uh, how you came to know Christ.
1: I grew up in a very large family. There's five girls in my family, including me and one brother. Um, so I have a I have a very large family and I grew up in a family of faith. My parents were new believers um, who were very passionate um about the Lord and very passionate about the gospel. So I grew up under their roof, you know, being surrounded by Scripture, being surrounded by missionary biographies from my youngest years, and something that really influenced me when I was younger, before I even fully grasped God's love for me, was picking up a magazine about persecuted Christians in my parents' bedroom. It was probably way above my head and the content was probably way too difficult for me to read, but I was learning how to write and I filled out, I think I was six or seven years old at the time, but I I knew how to read at that time actually. And so I filled out a subscription for my own copy of this magazine. (laughs) So my parents were shocked when they found this magazine at their doorstep with my name on it. And then I remember going around to people's doors and knocking on them and asking, do you know Jesus? I'm just checking. Do you know Jesus? I'm a Christian. I want to tell you about Jesus. And so my parents knew that I was kind of going around as this little, I guess, evangelist. And it was very interesting, the different reactions I would get. But I was very aware that this is truth and it needs to be shared. And I think the Holy Spirit really gripped me from a young age. And I remember um, really starting to grasp God's love for me in middle school and in high school during a time when I started to really get distracted. Um, I knew that when I was young, oh, wow, I want to be a messenger. I want to share the gospel. But as I got older, I started getting into um, more of the things of the world. I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to go to Broadway. I, I had these you know, big ideas and big ambitions, And um, but it wasn't until I was in university that, um, the Lord brought back. He rekindled that initial love for sharing the gospel. And it was at that time I was studying at a different university. I ended up transferring to Moody Bible Institute because I realized, wow, Lord, you're bringing me back. I see you pulling me back. (laughs) I I realized that at that time, okay, Lord, I understand I will obey. He didn't want me to be studying acting at that time. (laughs) I needed to be studying the scriptures so that I could share God's word effectively. And that kind of brought me eventually to, to where I am now.
0: You know, it's interesting. We did a, a, a program a while back with a lady that works for Barna Research, and there is a, a, a study that came out last year that talks about the fact that young people who are exposed to mission, missionaries, mission work, mission activity, mission organizations as children are exponentially more likely to be interested in something like that as a young adult or an adult, because they have been exposed to that the the power of that ministry and those people's commitments to serve Christ. And it sounds like both of you—Sunkyo, you had missionary parents, and Hannah, you were surrounded by these things. It sounds like both of you uh, were exposed to that, and both of you have made that choice. Hannah, you kind of referred to the fact that maybe you were already thinking that way. Sunkyo, were you thinking as a MK that you were going to end up being a missionary at some point?
2: Uh, my name, Sunkyo, actually means missionary in Korean. So I was named as Sunkyo because I was born during my parents' passion for a mission in Pakistan. And we traveled around 32 different countries just sharing the gospel in a lot of unreached areas uh, all around the world. And the moment that I really encountered God and I fell in love with God and I read this passage about the rich young ruler or rich young man who who meets Jesus and he sees how great he is how cool he is but then when Jesus says follow me he just couldn't do that and I asked my mom's like why if a person know who Jesus is why wouldn't they just follow him like if he knew who Jesus was like I would have even followed, like I, even I would have followed at that point. And my mom's like, "Why not now?" I'm like, "Really, right now?" So we closed our Bibles, we prayed together, and at that moment, suddenly, somehow, twelve years old, I just had all this memories of sin in my life just flash before my eyes, and I started weeping and crying and asking for forgiveness. And since that moment, like I just felt like I need Jesus, I need God. That moment that I started this journey of Christianity. So,
0: Let me pick up with your time at the Moody Bible Institute. Talk for a moment about—and uh, and, and, uh, Hannah, let's start with you—what what, what are maybe one or two key things that the Lord taught you during your time at Moody?
1: One of the main key things He taught me at Moody was just, I think there's an urgency that we have every day of our lives. How are we spending our time? How are we using our time? And I, I don't mean this to incite guilt on myself or or on others, but I was just became very aware. Not only of the freedom I had to share the gospel, but the urgency. I was part of this group called Student Outreach. We'd go out weekly on the streets oh, wow. of Chicago and in not a pressurizing way or, you know, sometimes street evangelism can be seen as very polarizing or very, you know, in your face. We would just go up and ask people, hi, we're students at the Moody Bible Institute. We're just going out asking people what they believe. When I say the word Jesus Christ, what, what comes to your mind? What do you think about? The answers that we received were just absolutely astounding to me. I remember mm-hmm. people just wanting to talk to me for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, sometimes an hour about the gospel. They it asked was, us to pray for them. Yes. Asking us to yeah. pray for them, singing hymns on the street. Like This was such a a reality for me about missions right here, right now. And so the biggest thing, one of the biggest takeaways I had from being at Moody was just this is a time of study, but also a time of of service, and that's something my professors instilled in me on a daily basis.
0: Sunkyo,
2: how about you? Personally, for me, studying theology really made my faith more beautiful and my prayer even more deep. And I just feel, I, I just felt that like, um, theology just made my Christian walk just so much more beautiful. And and with that, I also had the confidence to share the gospel. Because a lot of times we say we believe in the gospel, we know the gospel, but then when we have to elaborate it in front of people, it's really hard, especially going to student um, outreach. That's where I met Hannah. Sharing the gospel there on the street was definitely uh, a challenging time for me to be able to pull the gospel story that I've known growing up together in a five-minute conversation with a person with God's love so gently and kindly. So that was a very good challenge for me to be where I'm at right now.
0: Both of you had a desire to uh, do long-term missions among French-speaking people in Africa. Now, I first really had a chance, I met Hannah at Moody because she was involved in communications and I was working uh, some with the student radio station. So that's kind of where we first connected. But then she ended up going on a trip with us to do global partner training in Africa. And I didn't even realize until I was kind of reading your bio information that that was really at, at the heart of what you all wanted to do was ministry in Africa. Hannah, talk for a moment about that.
1: To make a long story short, we met at Student Outreach, Sunkyo and I, but we also connected over the French language. There was a Bible study meeting on campus, French Bible study, and it turns out that gradually fewer and fewer people started showing up until it was just Sunkyo and I. And so we started sharing about our heart for the African continent. I didn't know where, but I knew, you know, the Lord has called me there at the time. I really felt so strongly about it, and still do. And there's, you know, there are millions of French speakers in differing nations on the continent of Africa due to French colonialization over the years. And so we connected over that, and we really connected as friends because of our desire to reach French-speaking people groups on the African continent, and that had been my desire, I believe since I was in middle school, after taking a French language class, learning about French speaking people groups. Also, there's a need for the gospel in France, there's a need for the gospel in Canada, there's a need for the gospel on the African continent, and there's so many French speakers who need the gospel. And so when we became friends, it was like, wow, you know, um, he, he has a desire to reach people in DR Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And so we connected, Right away,
0: Sunkyo. Any thoughts about about that? When I was in seventh grade,
2: I was living in in a country in Middle East, and there was a Sudanese refugee camp during that time. And uh, because at that time, North and South Sudan was still um, in conflict. So my sister was working in a Sudanese refugee camp, and I was just going there to help her out on uh, teaching English and crafts and stuff. And there I met a, some, some refugee kids from DRC. Uh, and when I met them, I talked to them. And somehow I just felt that God was really moving my heart in that country. And later on, a few days later, I had a dream about DRC. And I just remember just waking up crying for that people in DRC. And since then, I've always prayed for that nation, but somehow every step of the way, every different stages of my life, God has been putting people from DRC just in my life every time I'm about to forget that nation, to to pray for that nation. So even at Moody, um, at the International Student Orientation, I arrived a little late at the meeting and there was one spot that was open. So I went down and sat and right on my left, there was a guy from DRC and we just connected immediately and just Everywhere I go, God's just putting me back into uh, focusing on that nation over and over again. So I just felt like God has something for me there. We still don't know what's uh, what's there yet, but we're getting there pretty soon.
0: Well, I pray that you find that place at some point. But it's obvious God has some other things in store for you before you get uh, to Africa or DRC. Let's talk for a moment about your time in Korea. And Hannah, let me start with you, because you went over— for, I think it was an internship. Talk a little bit about that process. Uh, uh, Sunkyo said that he went back to serve in the military, but here you are Uh, in the US and you're heading over there, talk a bit about your experience as you get there and some of the things you were involved in.
1: When I was preparing for my internship at Moody, I applied for internships in seven other nations, all on the African continent, but the doors kept closing. Oh, your visa's not going to work out here. Oh, you're not part of a team, you're alone. We don't know what you're gonna do. And it turns out the only possible place left for me to go on my internship was South Korea, where there was a need for me. Um, And I had come out of um, a prayer meeting for refugees when I received an email that said, would you come to Korea and work with refugees? Would you come to Korea for an internship and serve at a camp for refugee children? Would you come? And so I said, yes, Lord, I will come. And it happened to be that Sunkyo was there as well. So I'm not complaining. And um, so I was like, okay, we're going to reunite. We were a long distance relationship at that time. We're going to reunite. I'm going to do my internship. And I went there for my internship. It was a beautiful experience. And that ended up leading me to Korea for long-term ministry. So I started working at this camp for refugee children, and I returned to Korea to work at a Christian NGO focusing on refugee children, the same children that I was working with in my internship. I went back to serve long-term with for about two years.
0: Sung Kyo, uh, when uh, Hannah said she was headed over, what did you think about that? Confirmation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and until then, I was just waiting on God, Lord. Is this the yeah. right person? Yeah. Apparently, it was. <laughs> so,
0: it was. Yeah. Talk, talk for a moment about that. I mean, obviously, you had her in your heart and mind as she was returning. Talk about uh, leading up to the time and and maybe just a little bit about you asking her to to marry you and what all went on with that.
2: It's a beautifully long story, but we'll try to make it short. Yes, I was about to be uh, heading back to Korea for military service, which I knew is going to be a huge challenge for uh, both of us. And I just felt like we're from a whole different world. Uh, America and Korea is very far away and our cultures are not the same. Our families um, may not understand each other so I just felt like this is gonna be very very difficult so I just really needed God to really change things if if he doesn't get involved this is not gonna work out so but I went back to Korea anyways to serve the military and really think about what the next step would be like and went back and at that time we were we were still in love but we were saying like let's not force anything let's let God take over and let God just make doors open and close as he wants and we were just having an open door and just asking god every step of the way that's when god opened doors for her to come to korea i was like that's actually very close to where we were at and that was pretty much the same school that we've been working with with our camps for that refugee students um there and later when we got married the refugee kids were there and my military friends were there all the soldiers were there and so it was a one beautiful picture Uh, Of unity and peace. So that was really, really nice.
0: Yeah. That's incredible. And Hannah, it sounded like you were thinking about him as well. It wasn't out of your mind as you headed back to Korea.
1: Oh, no. And even when we were, you know, we were in Kenya together, Colin, and, you know, he's contacting, wow, you're in Africa. You know, really wish I could, you know, be there serving too. And I just felt like we were holding two worlds in our hands and then we were a world apart, you know, torn between our callings and each other. And, as I prayed more and more, God was saying, I just, I really sensed the Holy Spirit, you know, trust me, Anna, trust me. And God was writing a beautiful story and it wasn't, it was a long story and it was a challenging story. And it wasn't it was this, you know, waiting. you know, it's so much waiting mm-hmm. and God protected us too. He kept us, you know, you were in the military, Sankyo, for two years and then I was serving in Korea. But at that time I was able to serve in Korea as a single woman. God was keeping us busy with our work. He was working as a chaplain's assistant. I was able to experience Korea for myself, not just as someone who's you know, dating in a relationship in love, but to know Korea for myself um, and to love Korea, South Korea and, 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 and all of Korea, and to then share that with him later in marriage.
2: I think that was very important for us before we head out to another third world that we both don't uh, officiate yet with. And because now she's understanding my culture as well as I did when I went to America. So I think this is a very important step for us at a moment. A yeah.
0: couple of more areas I want to cover. I want to get to your baby in just a moment and and to kind of what's ahead. But but where you are right now, what you're doing right now, I know that COVID affected uh, your ability to do things. Uh, talk just for a moment about how COVID kind of uh put you all into kind of a new position, doing new things, but it actually helped South Korea because others were not able to do some of that work. Maybe Hannah, start with that, and then Sunkyo, you can follow.
1: Yes, so the biggest challenge for us since being called to come to Seoul was just how to reach youth in this time of of COVID-19 when church has been unable to gather, and just to give you a little bit of background, we're serving a church in the capital city of Seoul, we're leading a youth group in a place where, or he's leading the youth group. I'm assisting. <laughs> I'm pastor's we wife. Both <laughs> aren't, we, so. we, yeah. we we work together. Yeah. We we work. We're a team. But um, less than two percent of the youth here are Christians. And so right now, South Korea is losing a generation who came from Christian families. Maybe their their ancestors were strong Christians, but they're losing. Youth. And also in our area, we're in a, it's so different from the context where we felt like, oh Lord, you're calling us to serve here. You know, you're calling us to serve, um, at, you're calling us to serve in mercy ministry, doing works of mercy, doing, um, boy, you know, man. education ministry, feeding the hungry. And we're right now in a very wealthy area where our students are razor sharp focused on academic success from a very young age and God calling us to a church where there are a thousand young people ranging from two years old to 18 years old. And there's 5,000 church members in total. So we're thinking, Lord, you're calling us to the unreached. You're calling us to the hidden places. And he's like, I'm calling you to a mega church right now. (laughs) It was a shock. You know, you want to, anything you want to elaborate on, honey, the time of COVID-19.
2: So um, there's two things that um, that was def- definitely different for us. The first thing is coming into Seoul, where we have to preach the gospel to the kids who feel like they have everything; they don't need anything else. But then you have to uh, you have to really preach to them the hunger for the Holy Spirit, the hunger for God, and the hunger for the love of the Lord. So that was a very big challenge. But I feel like since the kids are sticking around for a while, so I think they're, I think it's working. <laughs> so, so we are really praying with them, and um, a lot of girls are reaching out to Hannah, and a lot of boys are really talking to me about um, their whole, uh, their 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 walk with the Lord, and it's been very encouraging for us. And and another challenge that happened was definitely COVID nineteen, where a lot of the churches had to shut down, and we we're right next to. Um, China. So definitely the COVID uh, was definitely much more stronger. Uh, It was was taking much more stronger effect in Korea. Uh, So a lot of the churches were getting closed. The youth group was not being able to uh, hold a service together. So that kind of pushed us into this media world because for all this time, we knew that this media world will pop up someday in the church. But then this whole situation pushed us into the media world where we started to Think about and come up with the idea, and gladly um, God has allowed me to have this experience of making videos before uh, in the ministries that I I was part of before. So that really kickstarted our media ministry, especially our church. And little did I know that this was a whole other field that God's been using all around the world because all the contents that we we have created and all the all the sermons that we preached online. Actually, now we put it into the USB or put it into online platforms, and people, even the um, even the places that shouldn't uh, people shouldn't preach the gospel, are actually hearing it too. And um, and we've sent a lot of contents into missionaries that we support for them to use for their uh, the, into into their little village churches and things like that. So so it's been very interesting journey, and we've created all this different kind of media contents that's also being shared all around Korea as well. So God's really blessed us with a lot of um, ideas and creativity. So this is the paradigm shift, and I just feel like God has not given up on us yet. So God's giving us new ideas, so we have hope.
0: Hope, something we can all hold on to, and something that Sun Kyo and Hannah display in all they say and do you know they've had some very very challenging times some that we can't even talk about on this broadcast but through it all they remain faithful to the call of christ on their lives i pray their contagious zeal for the lord has inspired you today and that their desire to serve the lord wherever and however he wants has sparked in you a desire to do the same may we all take a step in that direction today Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We're going to pick up with part two of their story next week as we hear more about what they're doing now, a new addition to the family, and their plans and dreams for the future. If you've enjoyed the show today, I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate it, and leave a review on iTunes. If you have feedback for me, I'd love to hear from you as well. Feel free to email me, clambert at missionstoday.com. And be sure to follow us on our Instagram and Facebook, at Missions Today Radio. I'm Colin Lambert. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global.